Are you a non-native English-speaking entrepreneur who wants to take your business to the next level? Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought, if only I could speak the language better, I would be a lot further along? When I first came to Germany from California and started my own business, I asked myself the very same question. The common thing that stands in the way of us improving our skills in our business and language communication is fear. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's possible for you to improve your English and grow your business at the same time. I've created a method that is not only fast and efficient, brain-friendly and fun, but will also connect you with other like-minded entrepreneurs at the same time. It's a win-win situation. I'm Sharon Kuster, and this is English for Entrepreneurs. Hi, everyone. I'm coming to you today from sunny Ulm, Germany, and hope you enjoyed last week's first episode with my expert guest, Ian McMaster. He's had so many years of valuable experience with language learners through the Spotlight Publications and shared a lot of good insights on business communication. Today, I'm bringing you another expert guest who not only has an incredible amount of experience as a language learning educator, and author, but has also grown her business in efficient language coaching to more than 700 neurolanguage coaches internationally. Let's give a warm welcome to Rachel Paley. I am so excited to introduce my next guest, a foreign language education innovator, founder of Efficient Language Coaching, and creator of Neurolanguage Coaching Certifications, international author and speaker, and one of my favorite mentors, Rachel Paling. Welcome, Rachel. Mm, Sharon, thank you so much, and absolutely delighted to be here with you. Uh, thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. I can't wait to learn more about neurolanguage coaching with you. First of all, could you give us a brief summary of what neurolanguage coaching is? With pleasure, yes. Okay. So, neurolanguage coaching is about bringing in the elements from professional coaching, the principles of neuroscience, and bringing both of those into the language learning process. So typically, we're looking at um, life coaching skills, competences, the standards, the guidelines, the framework, the goal setting, the actions, the motivation, the commitment, and that figure of the professional coach, the person who is empowering and really getting people to tap into their potential and reach their goals. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's the coaching side. Now, the neuroscience is about bringing in the principles from the neuroscience of how the brain likes to learn, how the brain reacts and blocks, and how the brain actually functions with maybe that indication of how memory is formed or uh, fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And the, the neural language coach will take the learner into what I call the golden nuggets of information to help that particular learner, because we know that every brain is different. Everybody maybe has different nuances, different ways of learning, and especially languages. You know, there's a lot of trauma with language learning, a mm, lot of certainly. school memories that have made everybody get nervous about language learning, and also negative beliefs. You know, people mm -hmm. coming to us and saying, I was terrible, I've always been terrible, and I always will be. So, 
really the neural language coach understands how to help people to understand firstly how to learn the language mm -hmm. how to make those connections between target and native and also how to help that learner remove any blocks and coach people around that learning to maximize their results yes true very true and well said some of the learners that I've had here in Germany uh, immediately say to me when I speak in English with them, I don't speak good English. What, how does neuro language coaching deal with someone who says that in, the, in one of the first meetings with an intermediate, maybe an uh, intermediate student or learner? Firstly, I would say that um, we, we react slightly differently because I think the, the normal reaction would be, oh, I think you've got a great level. I think you're fantastic. And we try to convince people. Mm -hmm. Now, that actually means from my coaching perspective that we're not listening to that person. Mm -hmm. So we would firstly be listening to that person and acknowledging and saying, well, I, I'm sorry that you feel that you're not speaking so well mm -hmm. and i'm sorry that you feel that you know it's maybe a, a a lower level now what could we do to get you feeling more comfortable more confident and to get you to higher levels mm -hmm. and good. that would be one of the major differences the way that we communicate with people we really listen to our clients we don't try to convince them otherwise Yes, and, and that leads me to the next question was, with how is neuro-language coaching different from traditional textbook learning or language learning? And you've answered some of that. Could you answer, give me a little bit more on that topic? Yes, definitely. So as I said, we're bringing in the coaching approach. We're bringing in the coaching framework. So one of the major differences as well, you know, a lot of uh, coaches and language coaches out there say we set goals, but in fact, it's the coach or the teacher setting the goals. In your language coaching, we do it in such a way that actually our learner is constantly setting their own goals they're taking ownership of their learning process, and they are really in that driving seat. Mm -hmm. we, we always say that the coach is the GPS, mm -hmm. the learner is the driver. Oh, yes. Yeah. And that is one of the major differences. And we are constantly helping that learner to take the ownership, to discover the, what they need, to set their goals, to give them that accountability with the goals, etc. On the other side, I think another major difference is that we are provoking those connections in the language um, between the native and the target. Now, this is something that traditional teachers don't do. Mm -hmm. And in fact, some teachers, I actually think they, they terrorize learners by saying, no native language from now on. Right. Yes. We hear that often, don't we? Yes. Mm, we do. And I actually, yeah. I, I think that makes people block <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Yes, yes. So, true. so we, we really encourage that people find their own way. You know, learning a language is a lot of power and, you know, we're using a lot of brain power. It's a lot of switching. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. in the brain. And it's a, a very good discipline for the brain to go into that brain gym from language to language. So I always say translanguaging is probably one of the best things that we could ever do. You know, I'm busy in Deutsch jetzt, and then I go back to English, and we like this, and then I'm busy in Deutsch. And then, mm-hmm. you know, just that brain gym mm-hmm. of switching languages is phenomenal practice for the brain. Yes, very good. Well, how does um, translating one's um, native language into the language that they're learning, how does that work in neural language coaching? Because many learners have told me that they translate everything from their language into the language of English, which they're learning with me, and they get they spend a lot of time translating. How does that work with neural language coaching? I honestly think that's a natural phenomena when you're learning a language. Mm-hmm. It happens to all of us. But from our perspective, we know that it's that transition from when you are consciously in that language, and that's when you're in that executive part of the brain, you're translating, you're rationalizing, you're analyzing, the brain is really busy. But then at some point, the question is, how do we get our learner or how do we, if we are the learner, get to that shift in the brain where we are just relaxing, shutting down this prefrontal cortex and just letting that subconscious brain flow with the language? Oh, yes. Now, I don't know if you remember when that happened to you with German, Sharon. Mm-hmm. Do you remember yes. when that happened to you? Oh, let's see. Well, when my brain relaxed <laughs> and I could actually uh, take in the language more easily. And I think yes. that that took quite a long time because I, I, like many people who are speaking a foreign language, have a high fear factor. So I had to work with that fear and overcome the fear to yeah. let my brain relax and actually let the language in. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah. remember that well. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, they say that learning a language is very easy when we actually shut down this prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. Because exactly. then we're just flowing from the subconscious and we're just allowing it and we don't have that little voice, as you said, the voice of fear, the voice of, oh my God, this isn't right and how do I translate this? And the brain gets so busy when that prefrontal cortex is engaged. Exactly. And, and that leads me to the next question, which is um, you're a perfect example of, of one who has many languages, uh, a polyglot and, and a linguist. But I, I wanted to ask you about learning languages. Has that become easier for you over the last, what, 10 years or so? Have, or have you always had an easy time learning languages? Well, I would say um, at school, I didn't have an easy time. So I loved languages, but I didn't ever feel that I was good at it. Mm-hmm. I did Latin, I did Greek, and I did French at school. Mm-hmm. And with Latin and Greek, I actually thought I was terrible. Oh. And with French, I, from the age of eight, when we started to the age of 15, I, I also had that feeling of, oh, I can't do this. This is terrible. But I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And at the age of 15, I met a French lady. She was in her 20s and I was 15. And we got on so well and we started chatting in French. <laughs> wow. And that was the first time I really clearly remember thinking, wow, I am having girly conversations in French. Mm-hmm. I will never forget that thought. And that, for me, I think was when I really connected into 
speaking a language as if I were speaking my native language. Yeah, that must have been very empowering for you. I think it was. I think that was the, the, the seed of I can speak to other people in different languages. Mm-hmm. Now, at the same time, I had already met my future husband at that point. Um, I was 15 at the time. I was very young. And I actually met him on holiday. Ah. And we spoke together in French. Mm-hmm. He was Spanish. I was English. We spoke together in French. Your common language was French. That's right. Mm -hmm. Now, I came home from that holiday thinking, I'm sure he's never going to learn English, so I need to learn Spanish. And I literally, at the age of 15, I taught myself Spanish. Wow. And I was two years writing to him. I didn't see him for two years because he went to the military. And we were writing for two years. And in those two years... I taught myself Spanish. I had no lessons whatsoever. I literally taught myself. And at the age of 17, I went back to Spain. Mm -hmm. And it took me about six months to transfer my probably C1 written knowledge Mm -hmm. into spoken. Did you take a course in Spanish? No, nothing. I never had a course in my life. All self-taught. All self-taught. Incredible. Did you use a listening resource or a... No, nothing. 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 Reading? I, I had my father's Teach Yourself Spanish books. I was uh, using those and writing letters in those two years. That's all I did. And then when I came to Spain, I was living in Spain. So I had to speak. I, and, you know, when I was living in Spain in those years, I never spoke English because um, in those years, we didn't have a telephone at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I had contact with my parents maybe once or twice a year. I didn't have any English friends. I was totally absorbed into uh, Spanish friends, Spanish family, my husband's family. So I, I literally, for 12 years, I only spoke English when I was then, in those years, teaching. How was that for you? Um, I never really thought about it. It was not normal. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Normal. I, I was, that, that was my normal life. So at that point, you had your Spanish, you had some French, and you had English. Is that right? And, yes, and living in Catalonia mm-hmm. um, with, Span- with Catalan television, speaking with Catalan people, I started then absorbing Catalan. Uh-huh. And again, never had any lessons there. Mm-hmm. After that, when I separated, I was back in England, but then I was uh, back on the continent. And there were some years where I was working in Italy. Mm-hmm. And what I did, I transferred my Spanish, my French, my Catalan into Italian just by being with the Italians, speaking with the Italians. And again, never had a lesson in my life. So you immersed yourself into the culture, basically. Yes, I was working and there were some years that I was actually living in Italy or I was frequently traveling to Italy, yes. So you absolutely. had Italian as well. Then I acquired Italian, and then I was, I was living in Germany, and I remember thinking, what's the reason I can't learn German? Mm-hmm. I'm, I've learned all of these Latin languages, and then I realized they were the Latin family, and German was a totally different family. And that's when I started tapping into the Germanic side of English. Mm-hmm. And when and I did that, that fantastic. 
then the doors really opened, my eyes opened. You know, I, I really then started to understand even the, the letter changes, you know, like uh, the D in German is the T or the TH in English. Mm -hmm. And there are so many words when you look at those words, uh, you've got the German with uh, D, but in English, then when you put the T in, then you see exactly which word it is. Yes, and things like that is phenomenal when you start to open those doors to the similarities of the languages it's almost like you find the key to open the door absolutely so what inspired you to become a linguist and polyglot when, when would you say that began for you that journey i never intended to be a linguist and a polyglot <laughs> so for me there was nothing that inspired me except for living life so living in spain living in Catalonia, living in Italy, living in Germany, gave me the gift of languages. So it was, I never planned to be a polyglot, never. What an incredible journey. Absolutely, it, it was just from living life. And it evolved over time then. Definitely, yes, you know, um, I, I I totally understand uh, Steve Jobs when he talks about his speech of looking back over life and joining the dots. I look back over my life and I can join the dots. Mm -hmm. And it's been a step-by-step -step evolution for me to where I am today. It's amazing. Very good. What would you say are some of the most common mistakes for our entrepreneurs and business professionals here? Uh, that you see new coaches making and starting their own language businesses? Um, first thing I would say, there are no mistakes. Mm -hmm. I would more call them learning because nobody is born an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Nobody is born a business wizard. And... Um, when you go into business and when you decide to be self-employed or to be an entrepreneur, there is a lot of risk-taking and there is a lot of learning. And no matter how much advice people give you and how much people say, this is what I did, you have to do it by yourself. You have to go through your own journey. And by, by maybe doing things in a different way, we learn from what we've done one way, which didn't work, mm -hmm. or it did work another way. So I, I would say it's a learning journey for all of us. Through experience. And, and mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think we, we should all be very kind on ourselves as entrepreneurs. That's wonderful advice. Who would be an ideal client for you? Um, I'm not sure at this point in my life how to answer that, Sharon, because I've had different perspectives of business. Okay. So maybe when I was uh, training and, uh, you know, in the years 2001, 2002, 2003 to 2008, when I was really immersed in the business world, the training and development of language world and developing that coaching style, um, I trained as a lawyer. So mm -hmm. I was very much focused on uh, lawyers as my clients, directors of companies, people who needed to come into executive language. They were very much my target mm -hmm. clients. But I have always taken clients from all levels 
and all walks of life. So I've had uh, beginners, I've had people who have had totally different businesses, Um, I've worked with secretaries, I've worked with all different types. Mm -hmm. Plus, I've worked uh, training in university as a university lecturer, so they were also a different type of client, if you like. Mm -hmm. Now, predominantly, I um, train teachers worldwide. Mm-hmm. How many language coaching? Yes. How many neural language coaches do you have at the moment? Last month, uh, so August, we hit the seven hundred mark. It's incredible. Fantastic. And now I'm not sure how many more we've got over, gone over that, but we have hit the seven hundred. Yes. Excellent. Phenomenal. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Well, I just want to say congratulations to all the neural language coaches in the world because they are phenomenal. They really are. With your guidance, we've come a long way in our language uh, delivery to teach people, to help people learn a language. Well, maybe I'm going to reflect back what Socrates said. You know, I cannot teach you what you already know. Oh, (laughs) that's true. It all comes from ourselves, doesn't it? From within. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the trigger on the other side, just bringing it out of uh, people, you know? Yes, absolutely, from inside out. Our listeners are really interested in hearing about goals and challenges successful entrepreneurs face in their businesses. With all the success you've achieved, what is your biggest challenge right now? I want to say thank you for the comment. I personally don't, I'm not going to say I don't feel it as success, Um, For me, success sounds like the end of something, but I always think that this is a journey and it's a never-ending journey. It's an evolution. So for me, every single day that we are doing things, every single day that we're breathing is already a success. Mm -hmm. And we're on this journey and I think it's the journey of being together. I think the challenge at the moment that we all have is not necessarily our own challenges but what is happening in the external world around us Mm -hmm. and this is something that's always fascinated me and in fact um, very soon I'll be talking about this at a conference about the black swan event oh what's the black swan event it's the event that nobody predicts Ah. and the question there is how can you prepare Mm for a black swan mm-hmm. so uh, i Good do question. think that the, yeah at the moment we are living in very very uncertain times we have seen this year how so many people have had to change adapt overhaul their whole business mm-hmm. and i think these are the challenges for everybody at the moment excellent how to move forward okay out of this, yes, this uncer- these uncertain times. Yeah. What is your big goal for the next 12 months? To tell you the truth, Sharon, I don't have a big goal for me. For me, it's about how many people can I help in these circumstances at the moment. My focus at the moment is about the external world. Mm-hmm. And... As I say, I think it's the journey. I think every day is different. Every day, somebody somewhere is struggling. And if you like, I'm going to say my biggest vision, not goal, because it's not about goals. 
for me, the vision is that we are going to come into a world where there is much more harmony, much more equality, mm -hmm. where we are much more conscious of everybody else around us. Wow. That is profound, Rachel. That is a, a wonderful vision. I share that vision with you. Mm. Oh, what would you like to share that I didn't ask you today? Optimism. Mm -hmm. Optimism. Um, I think this year everybody has obviously been put to the test. And I really want to acknowledge so many people who have come through this, obviously in different ways, by different means. And definitely, I think there are still people who are struggling and we're not out of it yet. Mm -hmm. So maybe bringing in the awareness of how can I help each and every one of us saying that every day, who can I help? How can I help? What can we do to really help each other? And I think that is something that we can be optimistic about because humans are social beings. Mm -hmm. We exactly. actually, in our brain, we are wired to care. We are wired to be compassionate. We are wired to want to help each other. Mm -hmm. And if we can tap into that part of our brain a little bit more, I actually think we can come out of this and create a different world. That is so powerful, Rachel. Thank you so much. Is there somewhere that we can send our listeners to learn more about you? With pleasure. The umbrella website is uh, neurolanguagecoaching.com. We are in the process of um, creating a foundation, uh, which is going to be call, called Neuro Heart Education. Oh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, for me, it's about bringing in the, the brain and the heart into the learning process. So uh, as you know, we do a conference every year. Mm -hmm. Um, this year we did it online because of the circumstances. Next year, if we're allowed to, we will be doing it face-to-face -face in Spain. Oh, I hope so. In yeah, Barcelona. Yes. Barcelona. Yay. Mm. Good. Good. And, and you're right, it will be Sitges. And if not, we will go online. Um, mm -hmm. We will definitely do it one way or another. And every time we have this conference, the big question is, what can we bring in to enhance the learning process? Bringing in from the, the brain science, from the heart science, what can we do to really help learning mm -hmm. and learners? So that's what the NeuroHeart focus is about. And if people do want to have more information from me, they can uh, definitely contact me on the email, info at efficientlanguagecoaching.com. Thank you so much, Rachel. This was a very valuable interview, and I know our listeners really are going to appreciate it and gain a lot of insights from you. Well, thank, thank you. you, Sharon. And I do want to say to you as well, um, congratulations, because I know that you've really achieved a lot this year as well. You've become an ACC life coach, which is fantastic. Um, plus all the neuro language coaching that you've done, plus all your language training expertise as well. Thank you so much, Rachel. You've been an inspiration for me. Fantastic. I'm, I'm happy. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sharon.
Stay tuned next week for our third episode with expert guest and entrepreneur, Mara Forrester. Mara is a busy mom of two, and somehow she manages to do it all. As a psychologist, she recently transitioned her coaching business online and has many tips and tricks of how she manages and how she got the success to where she is today. This is Sharon Kuster signing off today with English for Entrepreneurs. Hey, thank you for joining us this week on English for Entrepreneurs. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to visit iTunes and like and subscribe. And please tell your friends all about it too. Stay tuned next week for more fun and valuable tips on improving your English for business.